And it's another Friday. Merry Christmas to everybody. And it's another episode of Speaking for Him with your host, Andrew Gamison. Take it away, Andrew. I'm very grateful to be here. And yes, it is the Friday before Christmas uh, uh, as of the posting of this episode. So I hope that you got your Christmas shopping done and that you are um, just having some time to relax. One of the things that we talked about last year on the show, um, I think the title was Blessing um, or uh, about blessing in the hustle and bustle, that kind of idea and how we get too, we can get too busy and uh, too caught up in events and not really thinking about the reason for the season, uh, which is um, the birth of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, and as uh, Chad and I discussed shortly ago off the air, the the date of Christ's arrival is inconsequential to the fact that his arrival on planet Earth changed things for all of mankind. That's right. And so that is the focus that we want to have this holiday season, and this year I thought it would be fun uh, if we would go through the decades and talk a little bit about how Christmas came to be what it is today as we go on. And so uh, we're going to start in the in the colonies and how that happened. But first, I'm going to have Chad open with our quote of the day. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He, ex- he exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exists. And you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there was no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. Francis P. Church. And the reason why I started with this uh, quote is because, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. happens to be one of my favorite uh, classic um, movies. And by classic, I mean it happened when I was a kid. So I guess that just means I'm getting old. So uh, the... The movie happened when you were a kid, or the actual story? The movie. The so actual, you knew Virginia. The actual story happened in the early 1900s. Mm, so you grew up with Virginia? Uh, not quite. <laughs> I'm a little young for that, but I enjoyed the movie. And there's actually a musical, so I'm hoping that Master Arts will produce it eventually. Hint, hint. Because I think it's a really good story. Yes, major hint to those out there from the Master Arts crowd that are listening. Um, and so we're just going to open a scrapbook, if you will, and just look at the way Christmas was celebrated or not celebrated through the years. It's interesting to note that um, from 1659 to 1681, showcasing holiday spirit in Boston could net you a fine of as much as five shillings. Um, that's right. Christmas used to be illegal. And... Um, in the United States in the or United, the colonies? In the United States and the colonies. And it took almost half a century after that um, to 1870 before um, Christmas became a national holiday. And I believe in the United Kingdom, it became a national holiday about 30 years before. And uh, Chad's going to talk a little bit about what made that happen. We're going to talk a little bit about Charles Dickens. And his classic, A Christmas Carol. And the reason for that is, and I'm going to put a plug in here 
for a movie that I saw over the Thanksgiving weekend, which was The Man Who Invented Christmas, which was basically the story of how Charles Dickens came to invent what he calls his ghostly little book, A Christmas Carol, and it, I thought it was very well done, and I would encourage anyone to go out and see it. Sadly, uh, by the time we went and saw it, you know, like four days after it opened, it was already only being played in Celebration North, and none of the other celebrations locally here in Grand Rapids are playing it, so I don't know how long it will be available, but hopefully it will hit Woodland soon, and so you'll still have right. a few opportunities right. to see it, and if it hits Woodland, then it's a little cheaper, so that works. But Chad, you want to give us a little bit of information about Charles Dickens and A Christmas Carol? Are you talking about the trivia? Yes. All right, we got some trivia. Um, I hope you know the answers. Well, I was just going to have you share it as general trivia, not as a quiz. Oh, okay. Charles Dickens said, my father was always at his best at Christmas. Charles Dickens loved to celebrate Christmas. His favorite time during the holiday was Twelfth Night, the Feast of the Epiphany. Which I guess they put more emphasis on in England than they do here. Um, And that actually is celebrated on January 6th um, as the day that the wise men came to see Jesus, which, as you and I were talking about, um, and we'll get into the nativity scene later, but we were talking about some of the timing in the Christmas story, how how most people believe that the wise men came much later than the shepherds to see Jesus. That's and so, right. So that's where the, the Feast of Epiphany comes from. But go ahead and continue. Okay. Early in 1843, as a response to a government report on the abuse of child laborers in mines and factories, Dickens vowed he would strike a sledgehammer blow on behalf of the poor man's child. And that sledgehammer was a Christmas carol. All right. And um, we also read that it took Dickens about six weeks to write a Christmas carol. Carol, which to me is pretty amazing, even though it is a fairly short book. Um, it's still amazing that he put it together in that short a period of time. Um, he said that he saw his characters in such a way that that the Cratchits, um, Bob and Tiny Tim particularly, were, quote, at his sleeve begging him to finish the book. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting that he got that far into his character. And it says that the Cratchit family is fairly biographical to Dickens' home life. Um, And I've I've heard that most of his books had a shred of biography in it. His most biographical is said to be uh, David Copperfield, in which he very much replicates his own life in the main character of that novel, which is, by the way, one of his longer novels. It was like, Almost 600 pages took a long time Ow. to read, um, but I still think it is worth it. So that's just a little bit about A Christmas Carol um, as we're moving through the decades. And it's said that uh, he helped to make Christmas a regular celebration in the United Kingdom, which is the impetus for the title, The Man Who Invented Christmas. Oh, okay. Um, which is because it says that it said that he really brought Christmas around to being a regularly celebrated thing. Um, let's see here. 
And then uh, I'm going to finish by um, talking about in 1867, Dickens read a Christmas carol at a public reading in Chicago. And one of the audience members decided as a result to give his uh, men of his factory, the people that worked in his factory, the day off for Christmas. So he actually accomplished what happened with Scrooge hmm. uh, in the book through the reading of the book, actually accomplished it in real life. That's cool. So I thought that was interesting. And now today, we all, just about everybody has Christmas off, unless you work in a restaurant or a store. Or, or retail, yeah. And as we just you know, recently passed Thanksgiving and Black Friday, Black Friday's definitely crept into Thanksgiving. I actually wrote a blog post a couple of years ago um, that was titled Say No to Black Thursday about the the need for retail um, organizations to be patient and wait for Black Friday to sell all their wares. I know it's affected my family every year because my brother works retail, and it seems like every year um, he is called in earlier Earlier and earlier on Thanksgiving, so that cuts into our ability to celebrate as a family. And it also, I think, is a disservice to the people like doctors and rescue personnel that have to work on the holiday. So, um. Yeah, I guess you're right. All right. So, now we're going to talk about, um, Christmas as we go into the early part of the, uh, 20th century. Uh, the Christmas truce, which occurred um, during World War One, on Christmas Eve, well, at the first light of dawn on Christmas Day, some German soldiers emerged from their trenches and approached the Allied lines, calling out Merry Christmas. Um, and at first, the Allied soldiers feared it was a trick, but seeing the Germans unarmed, they climbed out of their trenches and shook hands with the enemy soldiers. The men exchanged presence of cigarettes and plum puddings and sang carols and songs. And there is even a documented case of soldiers from opposing sides playing a good-natured game of soccer. And then, um, shortly thereafter, this one-day truce, they began to once again um, fight the war that they were so intent on fighting. So it didn't last very long, but it's a very interesting aspect of Christmas through the years. It's kind of a powerful story when you think about it, that how, in spite of the fact that we have governments who really lead us into war, and yet down to the man and his neighbor, we can all get along pretty well. Um, and I think that that proved that because all of a sudden all these church troops from two different fronts, they're just being people with each other while the governments are bickering over who's right about what. Yeah, and I, and I think that's so good. And I, and one thing that I think about, and I, and I do struggle because, I mean, obviously there are things that I'm convicted about and I'm never going to change my stance on, things that I believe are, are particularly biblical. But I have heard it said that one good thing we can do is before we engage in a protest against someone, to sit down with them if they are willing and try to learn their perspective and learn the why. Because you may never agree with the why, but at least you can have an understanding right. of the why and work with them through it because of that. Um, because some issues, it's not simple, as simple as just telling someone to stop. Even if it's a sinful behavior, 
It'd be nice if it was simple enough just to tell somebody to stop, but that's not the way those things work. So sometimes you have to, it helps to, to understand why someone is on that path. And that is really where the key comes in to help them get off it as the Lord directs. So I just think that's a pretty key thing. All right. Now we're going to move into Christmas in the 1950s and Chad has a list of things in from the 1950s and 60s, I guess, that are Christmas traditions there. And there's a whole list here. We won't go through all of them, but Chad, can you pick maybe three or four from that list and um, give us uh, some of the things that happened during that period? Well, Christmas trees were aluminum. And we see the aluminum tree in A Charlie Brown Christmas. Before he picks his small Charlie Brown tree, they go to look at these aluminum trees. And I remember thinking that was a really weird thing, not even realizing that that was common in that era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't it interesting how we how we pick up on those things and don't even realize what they were until we read about it later? Bubble lights were first introduced to the U.S. market in 1946. These, I'm going to totally shred this word percolating bobbles brought brought the look of Las Vegas neon and Wurlitzer jukeboxes to the Christmas tree. The tricky part was keeping the keeping them upright so that the magic of physics could do the delicate gizmo works. Okay, whoever wrote that is beyond us. Yeah, folks. I'm like that went right over my head. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Sure, got it. A couple more that stick out. Hmm. We miss the notion of the edible Christmas tree and what goes better with television than popcorn. Oh, yeah. I know there was an era, and I guess in the 50s and 60s, when it was common to string popcorn on the tree. Mm -hmm. Uh, We never did that. I don't think we've ever put anything edible on our tree except for candy canes. And we could have had a whole segment on the show just on the different flavors of candy canes you can find. Uh, I think Adam and I have discussed that in the past. Um, I know he would he would really dig some bacon uh, candy bacon canes. flavored candy canes. Because he, I, the funny <laughs> thing is, okay, this is just an aside. Is that Adam, who for those who don't know was my previous co-host and executive producer, I talked to him once about how great bacon was. And I thought that I was a lover of bacon, and then I met Adam, and I realized I'm not really a lover of bacon, at least to the level that he is. Right. You're a liker of bacon compared I, to him. Compared to him. <laughs> compared to a lot of people, I would still be considered a lover of bacon, but compared to him, I'm a liker. But that's neither here nor there. And while I'm on the topic of Adam, he will be back in a few weeks. Um, actually, next week, to tell you the truth, uh, because we're going to wrap up December with a Freeform Friday because it's a five Friday month. So Adam will be back with us. So it'll be Chad and Adam, double producer power. Uh, that day. So that should be interesting and fun. All right. Moving right along. Now we have, as we've gone through this whole thing, we have uh, gotten up to Christmas today. And I just wanted to share this um, uh, information from Pew Research. Survey. They polled 2001 American adults um, in 2013 and found 
um, eight out of ten non-Christians celebrate Christmas, which I wonder what it would be today because now everybody has to have their own holiday and they have to be offended about uh, a bunch of stuff. So I'm just waiting for all the reasons why Christmas is offensive coming up in the next um, few weeks. And as you listen to this podcast, I guess I shouldn't feel that cynical, but in the pla- in the place in which we are as a nation, I'm bracing myself. So hopefully I'm wrong. Um, Bite your tongue, but, Adam. Bite your tongue. <laughs> but anyway. Keep it uh, bit. <laughs> yes, I could go off, but I'm not going to. Um, all right. And it says, let's see, with most, with most viewing it as a cultural holiday rather than a religious occasion. And while 96% of Christians celebrate Christmas, only two-thirds of them view it as a religious holiday. In total, 51% of Americans who celebrate Christmas see the holiday as religious, while one-third view it as more of a cultural holiday. Now, of course, this only represents the opinions of 2,000 Americans, but it is pretty telling about um, just exactly how we view Christmas. And there's definitely been a pretty big um, commercial component uh, uh, brought into Christmas. Right. Now, I want to say a word here, and hopefully we can have a little bit of a discussion too, because Chad hasn't said a whole lot in this episode, but I'd like to get his perspective. Some people say, well, we as Christians shouldn't celebrate Christmas because it comes from pagan pagan origins. I know um, a friend of mine that I used to go to church with now lives as a Messianic Jew, so he thinks it's okay to celebrate the Jewish holidays, but not the non-Jewish holidays, and so he, you know, he makes this, this big thing about that and how we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. But as Chad and I were discussing a little bit before we hit record, I just want to put this out there that if you choose not to celebrate Christmas, that is fine. But for me, myself personally, Christmas has never been a pagan holiday for me. It's right. always been about the birth of Christ. Um, the first year that I was here, um, doing the podcast back in 2012, so it's been a while, I did a series of podcasts. And in one of those, I talked about, I believe it was on the History of Christmas episode, I talked about uh, um, how much, what, I mean, what Christmas was really about. And I played a piece from Peanuts where Linus tells Charlie Brown what Christmas is all about. That's and very he, famous, isn't it? Very and, big scene. And he reads from Luke chapter 2, and it's become a classic, and they still air it every year, thank goodness. With all the other political correctness, somehow that still sneaks on, which I'm grateful for. And it's interesting that the producers fought Charles Schultz and said, it will never fly, nobody will watch it, and it's still enduring to this day. Not very many TV shows get continuously aired for right. over 60 years, 50 or 60 years, but that one did. Um, and so I think there's a lot worth celebrating with Christmas. And believe it or not, I, I even have fun with Santa Claus. I believe you can have fun with Santa Claus without having him overshadow the the holiday as a whole. And I actually did do a whole episode on St. Nick that same year. So if you want to go way back in the archives to episode like 15 or 16, you'll find that episode on St. Nick. Cause he was a real guy that did some pretty awesome things right. in the name of Christ for other people. And he was kind of the germ 
that created Santa Claus. So, well, in Dutch, he was called Sinterklaas. And and then as the as Dutch immigrants came to the United States, um, it kind of turned into I guess Santa Claus from Center Claus. Okay, and of course there were things like C. Clement Moore's poem "Twas the Night Before Christmas" that helped to cement that as a as a real legend of Christmas. And uh, then of course there's all kinds of movies about him now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite would probably be Santa Claus the movie. I love that origin story. It's an old movie from the 60s with Dudley Moore as an elf, but it's worth checking out. And it's interesting also to note that Coca-Cola gave us the present-day image of, of of Santa Claus because it was for an ad for Coca-Cola that we that Santa Claus was per- first presented as wearing a red suit and having a long beard. That's interesting that you mentioned that because an ad campaign also gave us something that a lot of us consider extremely synonymous with Christmas today, which is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, mm. who was created by Montgomery Ward for one of their ad campaigns. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, in the 1930s. And so, and then Rankin-Bass did uh, a series of Rudolph movies because they did, I know they did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and then they did Rudolph's Shiny New Year. I think there might be one more, but but they really cemented Rudolph into the lore of Christmas because they did such a such a good job with those claymation specials. Yeah, I think the other one had to do with something with like rejected toys. Oh yeah, that was part of it. The Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yep. So uh, just some interesting thoughts. Do you have any any thoughts on the celebration of Christmas and what it means to you, Chad? Well, what it means to me, of course. Um, I try to emphasize with my kids the birth of Christ. I don't have a problem with Santa Claus. I think he's fun. Um, but I do emphasize the the fact that we celebrate Christmas for Christ. We do not celebrate it for Santa Claus. We do not celebrate it for turkey family, especially family during political years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> the way I see it, Christ redeemed me. I was a sinner, and Christ stepped into my life when I asked him to come into my life, and he saved me. That same God who saved me can save a day. He can redeem a day like he can redeem a person. So even though at one point it can be argued that Christmas was a pagan holiday, I don't see it as a pagan holiday. Well, and it's interesting because we talked about a Christmas Carol earlier, and in a Christmas Carol, one of my favorite lines is it talks about. Um, I think it's during the Ghost of Christmas Present. It talks about him going around and spreading Christmas cheer with his torch, and he said, "It's good that we have this this attitude of cheer around Christmas mm-hmm. because and childlike enthusiasm because the founder of Christmas was a child." Uh, alluding. Oh, that's deep. Yeah, alluding to the birth of Christ. And it's right there in A Christmas Carol. And so it's not just uh, a fun story about physical redemption or personal redemption. It also uh, points to the redemptive work of of Christ, even if in kind of a vague way, but it is there. And some of the versions of A Christmas Carol uh, do sanitize that, but I like the ones that get to the 
heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another thing you can do is go back into our archives and listen to our uh, fully dramatized version of the entire book of A Christmas Carol over four podcasts. Which, which, mind you, I was not invited to be a part of. Thank you. Uh, which, for the record, uh, I did not know Chad at the time. <laughs> but he will be part of our Christmas Carol, or not our Christmas Carol, our uh, Pilgrim's Progress uh, fully dramatized audio that's coming up at some point this spring. So keep your ears posted for that. So I guess that kind of wraps up our our uh, Christmas special, but just know that we hope that you will have a great Christmas season of thinking about Jesus, who is the reason for the season, how the shepherds came and gave the good news um, to the, or the, the angels came and gave the good news to the shepherds that uh, a savior was born tonight in the city of Amen. David, Christ the Lord. And that's what it was all about. And the shepherds, we're so excited when they got that news that they had to go and share it with everyone. And that is why the Speaking for Him podcast exists. Because we want to continue to share with you the new, the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord willing, we will continue to do that throughout 2018 and beyond as the door stays open. We hope that you have a wonderful uh, Christmas and a happy new year. And we'll be back to talk a little bit more about that next week. Have a great weekend. And keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 